Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Bet $100 and get $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Final Four Watch Party. April 1st at 7.30 p.m., the SGP will be at the Ice House in Los Angeles, so come hang out with the crew. All the info is at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake, a fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Blake Meyer, back again as always. We are live as always. I love being able to say that. I am here with my man Ryan Gilbert and our first returning guest, Nick Pollock of Pitchless. How you doing, Nick? What is happening? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, coming on, Nick. Always good to to talk some pitchers with you. I've I've used your uh, top 100 starting pitcher list whenever I have a draft going on, but I, I've refrained from looking at it from from today, so I it's not fresh in my mind. So I still have some some, <laughs> some questions for you. Awesome. Well, I'm touched <laughs> to do that. Um, and I also really want to say congratulations on your 50th episode. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, this is. This is been a long time coming it's the one thing that you kind of always hoped we could get to this point and we started this at the very end of the season last year and kind of worked our way through the the dog days of the off season and now here we are i think it's like nine days away from opening day or something like that so oh my gosh i can't wait we made it and it feels good and we're glad to have you back glad oh, to talk pitching it, yes thank you for bringing me back for starting pitching so much better <laughs> than any other position so thank you and you're back now to and talk yeah, about it with, with, with the season, season so close. It's not in like December, January. We're like, oh, well, what, what are we going to do? Now, now we have like, right. we know what's happening. We know injuries. So it's a good exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that, that change during uh, during spring, February, and March. There are little things that you can follow that I can actually influence uh, heavily that we've seen in years past. And uh, yeah, it's just so exciting. And then also in nine days, you actually see everything you've been talking about for six months just explode and you expect more and like oh right it's just one game and things are gonna (laughs) take six months now okay fine but it's so exciting all right so first of all nick tell the people where they can find you i'm sure everybody listening already knows where they can find you but give them a little refresher sure just come to pitchless.com we have everything you need i do a top 100 list of every starting pitcher in the majors every monday of the year um or of the regular season um we have all fantasy draft kit stuff and our play pages are the best ones on the internet. We have savant data there. We have gifts of every pitch thrown by every pitcher, so you can actually visualize them and see them. And so much more Discord and uh, tools and our new PLV stat and blah, blah, blah. Just go to pitchless.com. Check it out. <laughs> uh, speaking of PLV, that is something that you guys just came out. I guess you didn't just come out with, but you kind of just came out with it. I need you to break it down for me. There's a lot sure. of data there, and I absolutely love it because I love data, so... Can you walk me through that? It's really simple. It's um, PLV stands for pitch level value. Um, the idea is to say, was that a good pitch or a bad pitch? And it's a pitch quantifier. That's not a new idea. There's pitching bot out there. There's also pitching plus. You know, Saris is a great thing. 
Um, and what's really important about it is it doesn't look at the results. It just says based on the qualities of this pitch, based on its movement, its velocity, but also its location included, um, we are going to say this was a good pitch thrown or a bad pitch thrown. And what's really cool about it is that you can infer a lot of new things if you actually know that part of the equation. When you think about the entire timeline of an event, a pitch is thrown, a batter does something, they make contact or they don't, but they make contact, and then balls in play at this launch angle and this uh, you know, exit velocity, and then there's a result, right? And if you're able to quantify the, the pitch itself, if it was good or bad, you can actually start quantifying the actual hitter's ability to get that contact on that pitch, right? If I throw a meatball, uh, it's a lot easier for them to throw to to hit a home run. But if I throw 100 miles per hour up and in perfectly, it's going to be a lot harder to hit a home run. It makes all the sense in the world. But then we can infer the kind of results uh, that we see based on, oh, man, this hitter did really well hitting good pitches. And their stat line is not the same as someone else's because of what pitches they saw. Um, it's a really exciting thing. We're developing all these uh, new metrics based on that, like uh, volatility of how often they throw good pitches or bad pitches. Um, luck based on how many hits you should allow based on the pitches you throw versus how many you did allow. And there's so many other things that we're looking into with it, but it's it's a really exciting stat, and I think it creates a new narrative uh, to talk about the game. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it because, like, I mean, most baseball van stats coming through this were like, okay, exit velocity. I mean, you had spin rate and whatnot for for pitchers, but getting this, getting it narrowed down, be like, oh, it's not just like, oh, he got he got away with one there. It was a bad pitch. That's you're actually like quantifying that now. Exactly. You're looking at how often pitchers are throwing that. If pitchers are just throwing good pitches and hitters are, are hitting them, like there, there's a whole world out there, and I think PLV is just a great start to 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 get after it. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and tons of other states. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here. So many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today to receive a special offer, bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And of course, for our DGENs only, if you're the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present state where playthrough and buzz available. If you have something you know the Kevin problem, call 100 4700 And the SGP guys are going to be hosting a Final Four watch party at the historic Ice House in Pasadena, California. Saturday, April 1st at 7.30 p.m. Get all the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. Looking to hang out with Sean and Ryan at Stadium Swim and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world? You can win a three-night stay at Circa Las Vegas to hang with the guys. The contest is completely free to enter. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash golf party. And if you don't win the contest, you can still get a discount on a room using promo code SGP15. 
Yeah, thanks. We're really excited about it. It's uh, There's so much to uncover with it. And you have to just get like the seed right now, PLV. Actually, the number of PLV doesn't really matter too much. It's about the stats we use, uh, we, we create using PLV that I think are really going to be interesting. Like you could do uh, home run rates utilizing PLV as opposed to home run fly ball rate, right? That's saying, look, he threw these pitches and our like model that. says that he should have this many home runs instead. That actually showcases that they're home run prone or not instead of the the unsticky home run fly ball rate right now, which is I think one of the least sticky stats that we utilize year to year. Um, but utilizing PLV, we can clear that up a bit. I mean, there's so much opportunity with it. We're just starting it, but we were at a point where we said, you know what? Here you go, world. Here, Here is this thing. Let's start having that conversation. Uh, is there anybody that PLV has made you fall more in love with since you, you kind of released, released the beast onto the world? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it verifies everything that we're talking about with Spencer Strider and Christian Javier. Like their fastballs are just super high PLV marks. Um, Drew Rasmussen is a PLV darling. And Ooh. that that surprised me a little bit. But I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And also validates my concerns about Tristan McKenzie, which was very, very nice to see. This is why I love PLV so much, because it just confirms <laughs> all the things I feel already. Um, but I, but no, I mean, those are, those are the major ones, honestly. Um, it has raised some eyebrows here and there, but, uh, considering that PLV as its own, isn't actually the best stat to use, right? It's about the applications that we have from it. Uh, for example, Eno Saris's stuff plus, if you're looking at just overall season way stickier, um, year to year, because it's just stuff and his location plus is not as sticky, right? It takes a lot longer to stabilize. Uh, so ours is closer to location plus because we use location in it. And uh, because of that, it's not the greatest year to year metric. Um, but again, that is not the idea for it. That is not the um, the goal we're trying to achieve. Just an overall season number. We're trying to actually look at the events that happen and say, like, well, was this a deserved event or was this something that didn't go their way? Yeah, that, that makes sense. And uh, I'm throwing you a bit of a curveball here. It wasn't in, in the show notes, but okay. but yet, yet, yet yesterday we talked about how we draft like injured players. So like, mm-hmm. what is your take on that with like Tyler Glass now, Carlos Rodriguez, sure. like those type of players? It depends. How far I mean, do they fall for you? Right. It's, it's always a nuanced thing. I think it's 12 teamers. I lean on actually going for uh, healthy injured players. What I mean by that is I know it's not necessarily what you're asking, but guys that have are dinged in the ranks because we don't expect as many innings. Um, but then we realize that they're pitching in April and every single day that passes and they're healthy is a lower and lower injury risk, right? I I find myself closer to the drafts actually leaning in on that. Um, in the case of Glasnow, I think Glasnow is, even when he does return, it's going to be weird with the Rays coming back too. And generally with someone like him who's out for a significant portion of the year until we know anything, it's about being at a point in your draft where you're not giving up automatic value. And at that point, then you can say, cool, I'll take Lasno stash in the IL. And then uh, then someone off the wire isn't necessarily worse than what that 15th round pick or whatever it is that Glasnow's going at. It's not a huge gap there. I'm happy with that. With Rodon, it's weird because how injured is he? We don't know yet. It's it's blowing my mind. So I've, I've steered away from it mm-hmm. for the most part just because there's too much haze in there. Or he's going too early in it. Um, but Joe Musgrove, I'm actually drafting a lot because I don't think he's out for too long. And it's not a arm injury. And oh my gosh, I just got sniped in my pick for the pitcherless staff. 
<laughs> and I am infuriated. Lance Lynn they take? was actually the guy. Lance oh. Lynn. And I was so excited. And I'm so sad. Uh, well, I will figure this out, but that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll live on, I guess. Oh, man. I need that. Was, that was, it was all coming together. Oh, I'm devastated. Speak, speaking of Lance Lynn, how about his uh, teammate, Lucas Giolito? I want to ask you about him. What version of Lucas Giolito are we going to get? this year we're gonna get like the one or the one that's probably not rosterable okay yeah um it's gonna be much better i I, um the way i see it is that last year giolito had an abdominal issue um he was sidelined for two weeks after opening day and he actually has quotes saying that he never felt the same after and they tried to do too much by the end of the year felt this embarrassment and this pressure and all of that and by the end of the season, I mean, I saw him throw an 89 mile per hour fastball and I just went, what is going on? That wasn't sitting. It just, Ooh. you know, that was the low. But n- in no world should Lucas Giolito be ever throwing an 89 mile per hour fastball. Um, so no. my understanding is that, all right, he's going to do what he did back in 2018, really figure this out and reset everything. And what I've seen in the spring is actually a much, much better version of Lucas Giolito. Uh, I think I saw him sitting 92, 93 which is way better than the 91-92. It's a big difference for him, but in good command of his secondaries. And I actually am leaning in favor of Lucas Giolito being uh, a top 25, top 30 pitcher this year. And I have him, I think, at 37 in my ranks right now because obviously that's not guaranteed that he's that good for the year. But if I'm a betting man, I'm saying, yeah, Lucas Giolito is going to be a very good fantasy player this year. And top, you know, let's say it's above a 25% strikeout rate. It's just a question of the ear and the whip at that point. And there's a chance he goes three five ERA with a one fifteen whip. Absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm leaning in favor of that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. He, he's done that before. He did that consistently for the White Sox. And the great point you brought up with his injury. He, I mean, he clearly just pitched through it and just was not himself there. So a, a great bounce back candidate. Probably someone I'm going to be looking at in, in that range for to add a few pitchers there. I, I like like quite a few pitchers in that range. Uh, Logan Webb, Logan Gilbert. George Kirby down to Giolito. I think that's a, a solid range where I'm going to be targeting a few different starters. I have all kinds of questions to ask you, and I'm trying not to be scatterbrained because I'm looking go stuff ahead. up as we go to. Uh, you know, I'm a Mariners fan. I don't hide that very well. <laughs> how good it? So I got two two questions. First yeah. of all, how good is George Kirby's new two seamer? Ah, whatever. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> And then the second, I mean, it's, the really, second it's, it's really hard to. It's really hard to. Um, there have been very rare situations that I've been hyped about a two seamer. Uh, it makes sense okay. for George Kirby, but that's not the thing that George Kirby needs. His his four seamer is already destroying right handers. He doesn't need another tool um, on the same velocity band against right handers. He needs a breaking ball um, to destroy right handers. And I have not seen it yet this spring of his slider improving as much as I want it to, or his curveball. Now, against left-handers, a sinker is not what he needs. Uh, you throw sinkers to the same-handed batters, right? To, that starts inside corner and then lands off the plate. If you want to do front hip, fine. It, there are very few guys in the majors, I believe, can do that with any sort of consistency. Um, Aaron Nola, what is up? Um, but George Kirby needs to develop the secondary stuff. And that's going to be his ability. Like If he does that, that's the ascension of George Kirby. It needs to be a slider being a legitimate slider or the curveball being a legitimate curveball because a four seamer is good enough 
right now. I mean, we've seen it. What was it? 15% swing strike right last year, 16. It was really good, but he just doesn't have the secondary stuff to back it up yet. Second question. Okay. And then <laughs> second would be Robbie Ray. He added yeah. a splitter, I believe it was. Yeah. I mean, the man's got 21 strikeouts in 12 innings. I'm not going to read too much into <laughs> spring training stats. I know we have spring training stats training. don't matter. Blake. They do. They still yeah, matter. Stop. About- Anyone who says that is just <laughs> lying to you. I mean, they're, they're saying but, it I mean, as if like, oh, you just look at the only the year rain stuff. But we've gone. I don't look at ERA in season. I don't. I don't do that. I actually just say like, what are they doing? And yeah. that is the same. Yeah. You know, obviously there's it, it's less weight than in season, but there are still things we can infer. And with Robbie Ray, his velocity is up, which is good. Um, I remember this time last year is like at 92. He's at 93 right now. Sure, it's not the 94 necessarily that it was in Toronto, but he's throwing harder, and that's very good. Uh, hopefully, the splitter is legit. The sinker, by the way, PLV hates the sinker, and it makes perfect sense. Remember what I just told you about like where you throw sinkers. You don't throw them to opposite hand mm. batters away, right? Well, that's what Robbie Ray does, and it makes no sense to me. Um, it like it was, it, was, it was a horribly rated PLV, um, but uh, but the thing about it was that it was different than the four seamer. That's only the only reason why Robbie Ray had success throwing that sinker was because it was a different look than the four seamer, and it threw them off a little bit. So the splitter could replace that sinker, and that'd be cool with me. Um, but honestly, the fact that he's throwing harder and doing really well up in the zone with four seamers is everything I need to know. I'd be like, yep, Robbie Ray. I've got him, I've got him twice now. Right? I got him in my labor draft with USA Today, and I got him with uh, in TGFBI as well. He went up to about nineteen dollars in tout, which I was really upset about, and so I didn't get him there. I'm sorry. <laughs> he went the same as my U Darvish, and I'm like, that's that's not right. You were supposed to Robbie Ray's getting pushed down by everybody like two months ago. And I've yeah. I've been pushing him back up, and now he's like, now I have him at like twenty four or something, and I feel like the industry does now too. And I'm like, this is frustrating. Yeah, everyone yeah, had I Ray. Like I, I think the the first thing when I, when I thought about Ray was like, you know that that home run to, to Jordan he gave up in, in that stupid. In that okay, okay, but, wait, hold on, that, hold that, on. that was you, stupid usage. That, that hold, you can't... On, hold on, hold on, hold <laughs> on. I was, was in this room watching this watching this um this at bat, and I feel like. The entire all of America outside of Texas was rooting for Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. And here we are, big situation, and then they bring in Robbie Ray against Jordan. And all I'm thinking, this makes sense because Robbie Ray's slider is fantastic and would do well against a lefty. So Jordan goes, and first pitch is a fastball that is fouled back by Alvarez, or, or maybe off to the left. And if you see that. Anytime you see a batter first pitch swinging foul off a fastball that isn't like a week off the end of the bat or something like that, it means they're on it. It means that they're mm-hmm. timed with your heater. They're ready to attack it. And it's just a small, very minimal adjustment from there to, to do something with it. So all I'm screaming at the TV is I see the catcher start going inside I'm like, I'm shouting for as if they could hear me to not throw this pitch. And he throws another <laughs> sinker. And this time it's inside and Jordan just turns on it. And I, I literally just get out and walk out of my room out of frustration. And I remember, I think I had some conversation about like, why did they throw this? And my understanding is like, you know, through the whatever, the grapevine that 
the Mariners were like, Jordan Alvarez's weakness is sinkers inside. And so and when we attack him as from, mm. from lefties, so lefties, sinkers inside, Alvarez is worse. And the second someone told me that, I said, but it's Robbie Ray's sinker inside, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. He doesn't do that. And he is, ah, yeah. ah. Like, I am the biggest person, you know, everyone says, like, analytics or whatever. Like, oh, God, analytics are destroying it. You know, I hate when people say that as if, like, weaponizing the word analytics. No, it's just really good information. I'm the first person to tell you we should be using this information. But this is what this is the time when people get upset at analytics because it tells them to do things that are just broad and gets rid of all the nuance of the actual situation. Mm-hmm. It's Alvarez. It's Robbie Ray. Hi. And he just saw a fastball that he fouled off. Like, it's right there. And uh, destroyed me. Soul. I'm sorry. You just brought out all of that. <laughs> well, I, I hope that was uh, cathartic, at least for you, talking about it, if not for Blake listening it, to know that someone else with pitching expertise also thought that. But, yeah, uh, that, people think about that and forget how good Robbie Ray is. I mean, he won the Cy Young with Toronto in 2021 career case per nine of 11 he, he has the stuff and I, i'm gonna be targeting him, him definitely he had kind of a weird year last year he started out the year being like a two-pitch pitcher for whatever reason for quite a while if i remember correctly and it was not very effective mariners fans were not i mean by mariners fans i mean me we're not the biggest <laughs> fan of it so seeing him Doing this well in spring training, it gets me a little excited, but I'm also a little hesitant just because I'm like, I know how he was last year. But adding the it's new different. pitch, I mean, 21 strikeouts and 12 innings, even in spring, is nice. Right. Yeah, it's a different guy. I mean, remember last year, Robbie Ray had lowered velocity, and then it was just fastball slider. I mean, it was fastball slider in 2021 as well with the Jays. Um, he had a curveball as well. But, I mean, the curveball's always been this, like, weird, like, oh, hi, I'm a curveball. I'm like, okay, what's up? Just passing through. <laughs> and um, so he stopped throwing it for some reason. I mean, I got, I understand why. Um, but really, I mean, the ticket of success is for, for Robbie Ray has always been fastballs around 93, 94 inside the zone um, and up. And as long as he's doing that, then the slider comes, falls underneath that, and everything is great. Uh, he was having some trouble and introduced this terrible sinker, but for whatever reason, that worked. Um, too, and it's nice to see that okay, maybe that sinker's going away and it's a split or two for now for Robbie Ray. So I, I'm a fan of it. I think also for fancy purposes, pitching for the Mariners is a good thing, especially when you can go six innings, you can get a lot of wins there. And he's essentially a lock for 200 strikeouts, which is very rare outside of the top uh, 15 starters. So you get wins and strikeouts with him. It's just a question of the whip and the year right. Yeah, and I know uh, NFBC has him going 33rd overall for the much a month of March currently. So you said you have him what 24? Yeah, I'm probably gonna move there. him. I'm probably gonna move him about 24, 25 on SPs. I mean keep in mind that I imagine that includes relievers, maybe not. Um it's uh, so yeah, annoying. Right. It's so annoying on NFBC that they do that. I uh, but yeah, yeah it, that's what I expect uh him to be at around 25 or so. Framber Valdez, George Kirby, right around there. Oh I'm so glad you, you said Framber Valdez because there's another question that I have that I'll ask after Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. No, no, go ahead. I, I was going off topic. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, going into this year, who do you like more, uh, Christian Javier or Framber Valdez? Oh, come on. That's not even close to me. I it's think I know Christian what the Javier. answer is, but I want you to so say it's, it's, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. I mean, 
he's phenomenal. I will say he was also two ticks down after the WBC, but it's probably like WCBC fatigue for a second. Um, but no, his fastball is like a top five fastball in the majors. Um, and his slider is getting better. And now he's going to go for like 170, 180 innings. And he's going to hold the striker rate well above 30%. And he's still one of the harder guys to get hard contact off of in the majors. His hard contact rate is like 95th percentile or something crazy like that. Um, and it's because he's just super, he, no one can, everyone just pops up his, his fastballs. Like they cannot barrel them. And then the slider is really good inside the zone. It's just, all right, it's Christian Javier. Really good defense behind him. Uh, winning ball club. Uh, and Framber, I understand everyone's like, oh, volume, volume, volume. And I get it. That's fine. But it was a 116 whip. And it was a peak season, I feel, for Framber Valdez last year, mm. right? And that was a 116 whip. Ship is, shift is not going to be as dramatic as I think as everyone is expecting it to be, but it's still going to hurt Framber. So if you're drafting Framber Valdez, you can't expect better than a 116 whip. In more likely scenarios, it's going to be like a 120 whip. Like, that's not great. I don't want that as my SP2. I want someone that could be like a 110, 105. Give me that ceiling, right? Christian Javier could do that. So I think that's the most overlooked part about Framber Valdez. And uh, I, I would much rather have Christian Javier. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after the opening weekend. Plus, Underdog Fantasy has your favorite college basketball player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Also, Valdez pitched more, much more in the playoffs than, than Javier did. So that's, you know, could, could be more wear and tear on his arm and he it's has the better, better stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Javier is, is quite above uh, Valdez on the ADP. So it, it does make sense that he's... He's up there I mean, it's more. gone crazy with Javier and ADP. I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to get seventh mm-hmm. round Christian Javier. I was like, why get Spencer Strider when you can get him seven <laughs> oh, four rounds later? And now it's like, literally, I went to, uh, this is something I, which is cracks me up every time I say it. I went to the NFBC last Friday here in New York, which was in a, um, they were doing drafts in the back room of a Dave and Buster's in Times Square. <laughs> And I, uh, they, I, uh, and I saw the draft board, and I saw Christian Javier went the end of the third round of NFBC. Oh, that's mm. within the first forty-five picks, and I couldn't believe it. Damn. I, I mean, I. This is where we're at with it. I mean, it was also a scenario where it was Rupti Pietra. I talked to him about it. It made all the sense. He's like, "Look, I would normally take Luis Castillo there, but I have a lot of Luis Castillos, and I have to diversify in NFBC." And I get that absolutely um i'm just upset that like that's where the market is that if he wanted him he had to get him there instead of the fourth round or the fifth even you know it's so yeah, yeah all the fun of that is out the window at this point yeah so I'm, i remember you saying you don't draft pitchers early very often and no. that's probably a strategy i'm going to use coming into my draft on saturday i hope no one's listening to that possibly my brother but that, that's about it <laughs> um so when do you start taking pictures and like who are the guys this year you're you're targeting to be like your right top two or three aces if you're not going for those top 15 pitchers so i have something i call the aces of dubs like the ace of clubs um 
where uh, they're like 22 guys or so. Um, yeah, we lost Musgrove and Glasnow from this mm-hmm. um, and Rodon. Um, but those are the ones that I feel like are legitimate aces, right? Like your Bieber and Freed and Javier and Gosman and Urias and Arias, I should say, and Alc Manoa and Darvish are at the end of that. Zach Allen. Um, and I aim to have at least one, if not two of those. And that means generally around the fifth and sixth rounds, I'll go for it. I'm, I'm in the pitcherless legacy league right now. This is, I think to me is the most, I don't know, industry 12 team or snake draft I'm in every year. That's a really good indication of what, you know, uh, of what ADP is at. So I had to take Gosman in the middle of the fifth round and the middle of the six, I could have taken gallon. He was the only one left of the guys I just listed. And I elected not to. Um, so I, I think I'm actually in a situation right now. I took Joe Musgrove, for example, in the middle of the eighth. Um, because I felt I need to survive like two, three weeks, and then I have an ace of dubs, right? That was my way of getting it without actually having to spend the sixth, seventh round or whatever. There you go. Um, but that means I need to survive the next two weeks. It's a head-to-head league, so <laughs> I got to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, then generally, you know, uh, I am like eighth, ninth, tenth round trying to get starters. I didn't again in this one because I'm kind of pushing it as much as I can I where I I I found myself in multiple years in this league easier than I would think to find the starting pitching rotation that I would want. So uh, I'm I'm giving it a shot right now. I just got sniped on Lynn though. Lance Lynn was going to be so good in the tenth round. Oh, I was mm, beautiful. I waited hours for that pick, and it just it just <laughs> kicked me in the stomach. It's fine. <laughs> so. I'll figure the it out. Pivoted to Sean Murphy, whatever. Uh, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, that's how I'm going to do this. I mean, I'm probably the next three picks are going to be starting pitchers. I don't know who, but they're going to be starting pitchers. Uh, they might be like your Giolito, your Luzardo and Pablo Lopez and Joe Ryan. And uh, maybe I'll get Logan Gilbert in there if he falls another round and so on and so forth. That's kind of what I'm figuring to do in this one. But in your standard, like, you know, following eight uh, fancy pros, ADP, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you'll probably be able to get like Gosman and then Darvish in the fifth and sixth, right? Um, I love that every mm-hmm. time. Robbie Ray is normally not going to the beginning of the sixth round like he did in this one. Uh, so you can probably get him <laughs> in the eighth round. And like, that's great. And there you go. You have three studs now, you know? Uh, there are better guys to target. I would go hitting the first four rounds because I was able to get bets at second base. Austin Riley, Matt Olson. And those are positions that I feel are have a massive gap in value between the top end and the, and the middle end. And then Kyle mm-hmm. Schwarber got in there because I just can't help myself. Um, <laughs> and then the seventh round is where you get your shortstop because you have this hot spot of like Tim Anderson, O'Neill Cruz, uh, Dansby Swanson, Willie Damas, Sandra Bogarts. Like one of those you generally can get in the seventh. If not, then you settle for Correa in like the eighth or ninth round. Um, that's just how you do it in my view. Mm-hmm. Um and uh so that there you go. I know it's more than you asked for, but I feel like that would help a lot of people. <laughs> no, th- that's perfect. I I, I have a, the second pick. I've done a few mock drafts, oh, just the automatic ones on Fantasy Pros. But I've gone, I mean, straight hitting more than the first four rounds. I think I went the first seven or eight rounds, just filling mm-hmm. up the outfield, getting getting first base, third base, like you said. If I can get a shortstop early, great. If not, wait for one of those. No, yeah, you, and then just you don't want to get a shortstop early because that will mess up the seventh round. <laughs> Yeah, very true. And then you then you just I, I like loading up on like those 
those after ace pitchers that have ace potential. And like, if you take four or five of them and some of them, you know, have injury risk or bounce back risk, it's fine. Cause as you said before, you can just drop them and, and move on because I, that's what I'm going for. I think this year is just more volume and pitching rather than going for the top, top guys. Yeah. There, there are a lot of really good ones. I'm seeing like the top 51. So like ending with, ending with Hunter Brown, I might make Kodai Senga 52 in there too, uh, because it's such a good schedule to start the year. Um, but there are like a lot of guys I feel like, oh yeah, I'm really happy I have them. Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, these <laughs> both guys are going to help out a ton. Um, that's really good. I feel, feel great having those guys, right? Uh, there, there are a good amount of them and you can feel great with that staff. And then there are so many on the other side that are, that have so much upside and excitement, like Matthew Boyd. I'm a Boyd boy, of course, but he's looking like his older <laughs> self. Uh, Hayden Wisniewski, Jared Schuster, uh, with, with Atlanta is looking phenomenal as the number five there. And you want to pitch for Atlanta. All right. You get mm-hmm. wins. You got a great defense. You want to pitch for Atlanta. And also you have Kyle Wright, whose shoulders busted. Um, he had a cortisone, cortisone shot a couple weeks ago. I was already hesitant on Kyle Wright. And now there's even more so. So I feel like the Atlanta rotation is going to need Jared Schuster through the year. Um, him, them and Dylan Dodd. So, I mean, there's so much opportunity. I think that pitching development's gotten better and better. And, the i don't know it's just there's so much more opportunity than there used to be so you don't need to go and get the top end guy i don't think uh is there a spot for mike soroka when he comes back in that rotation there will be like it will um i think michael soroka i mean it's interesting because like that this is a case where they can ease in michael soroka however they want you Mm -hmm. know they don't need to rush him in because i believe in jared jared schuster or dylan dodd whichever one they actually go with i think it's I'm like 95% sure it's going to be Schuster. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you're going to see someone get hurt. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, somebody in that rotation. I mean, Charlie Morin does not have the cleanest bill of health across his career. Spencer Strider <laughs> was on the IL last year that, that gets forgotten about a little bit. Um, you have, of course, as I mentioned, Kyle Wright. So yeah, there's something, something there is going to happen. Schuster's going five seventy four on NFBC right now. It's pretty. Yeah, it's only been the past past like week or two, like the week past week or two. We didn't really believe it until Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder got optioned, and then we thought, oh, they're actually Mm going to do this. Uh, (laughs) We got really excited. Yeah. He was picked uh, two seventy one today. You, you see, see his chart there. There you go. It's just, it's just going up. There's a bunch of. I took him one dollar in out my fifteen team mixed auction draft. One dollar. Super yeah. thrilled. Uh, there we go. He wasn't even even on my radar. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him there. So I'm going go. to keep him for my uh, late round sleepers. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so I was going to ask you. <laughs> I swear, Wait. I swear, I'm here. My brain just clicks in in randomly. Uh, oh. So I was going to ask you <laughs> um, some guys that you think could kind of come out of nowhere this year. Schuster seems like a guy that could potentially kind of come out of nowhere. Is there any more relevant names that you think could take a big step up into becoming a top end fantasy option this year? I mean, Reed Detmers, I've been talking about before the increased velocity, everybody. Okay. Before everybody started going crazy and Reed Detmers, I was there. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> Um, yeah, Reed, Reed Detmers is throwing 94, 90, 96 now, as opposed to 93 that he sat last year. 
which is a huge deal because he fixed his slide in the second half of last year, went to the minors, had a much better one. It was really great. And I think that for someone being 23, it's around 24 in July, there's so much opportunity for him just to keep growing and developing. And I'm so very much in on Reed Detmers. Um, there are, uh, I'm not going to do the other easy ones like Hunter Brown. Okay. Everyone likes Hunter Brown. All right. That's fine. Or like Nick Lodolo. I like going after the, I don't know, as I mentioned before, like Hayden Wesneski's breaker is really, really good. Uh, Shamanaya is throwing 94 right now, apparently, as opposed to like the 91, 92 that he has in the past. Alex Cobb. It's funny. I was so out on Alex Cobb. Could not care. Everyone's like, oh, but. Uh, you know, XERA and uh, Sierra was so much worse. And he got so unlucky. I'm like, sure, he did. But he also, actually, according to PLB, we have a, one of our stats is called hit luck and not too many extra hits. You know, like Gosman had like 40 plus extra hits. Like, Jeez. Cobb was like, okay, like seven. You know, he deserved some of his failures. But Alex Cobb is not throwing a slider. And it's apparently a good one. And if he has a slider that he throws for strikes now, that changes his entire approach. He had sinkers that were going for called strikes and his splitter and then a curveball he would only throw in like OO counts. And that's not much of depth, but a slider can come in there to get to that splitter in two strike counts now. Mm, that changes the whole dynamic. So that actually gets me a little bit more interesting. It's funny because like Alex Cobb is like the pendulum keeps swinging on him. You know, we were all out on him and then in because of the luck. But then we went back out because it was just a too easy of an argument kind of thing like I'm talking about. But now it's like <laughs> we're going back. Let's get back in. I mean, there, yeah, there are a lot of them. Oh, Steven Matz gets overlooked, even though he was he's productive when he does pitch. He only pitched mm-hmm. 48 innings last year, but it was really just one bad game. Uh, Garrett Whitlock is a really interesting one. Um, when he does, he's going to miss the first turn of the rotation, but. When he does come back, there's things to like inside of that. And don't forget, Co- uh, not could I say, uh, Kenta Maeda, who mm-hmm. was has always been a 25% plus strikeout rate guy. And his velocity is back to normal at the moment. So I'm very curious what happens there. What are your thoughts on yeah. um, Noah Syndergaard? His velocity mm. seems to be up. That's, yeah, that's. Is okay. it though? I, I, I watched him firsthand <laughs> with, with the Phillies last year. He he, he wasn't great. He, Apparently, it's, it's up at up at ninety four. But I know the Dodgers do weird things with pitchers. So I just wanted to get, get yeah, your take. I on know, it. I know. But yeah, it, until he's getting legitimate slider whiffs. I mean, this is the funniest thing about Syndergaard to me. When when he was throwing like ninety six, ninety seven, and had a legitimate slider, that was missing bats. His strikeout rate was like twenty three percent. You know, it, it, there was sure there was that one year where he had like a 27, 8, 28 percent rate. But no, recently, like most recently with the Mets, when he was doing that stuff, it was 23 percent. And that's what we're chasing, essentially. But he has lower velocity now. It, it just doesn't add up to me. Um, I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to be an unproductive fantasy player. But the ceiling that we have when we think of Thor is yeah. not present anymore. Yeah, he's he's down there with like Manaya, who I like, and you mentioned Manaya so, is more intrigued to me. Yeah, yeah I, I like his velocity being up. Yes, can somebody make me like Sean Manaya because I don't like him. Like, I just, I, he's one of those guys that everybody what seems to, to hype up going into the season. I don't. I mean, he hurt me a couple times, but you know, I know, but like, make, uh, okay, make me okay, like okay. Him. Um, be a goldfish, Blake. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, because like this is a different player now. If he's throwing 94, we haven't seen Sean Mania at 94. Right? We've seen him at 91. You know, 92. Like him at 94 is a different pitcher. Now I will I do understand that Sean Mania's consistency hasn't always been, you know, it's not the uh the best thing on his resume, but I still think him throwing 94, it's a good sinker already, and that just gets better, um, would make his slider and change up better as well. So you should like him just for that reason. Uh, you know what? You got me. Because, I mean, last year sucked, but 2021, he's pretty oh, good. I was easy. ERA under four. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you're very persuasive. Uh, and then, the, okay, so the last question I have, it's kind of throwing you a curveball. I know Ryan threw you one earlier. So I know on Twitter you kind of tweet out the things every day that you're looking for like yep. that day in spring. Yeah. This is going to come out tomorrow, uh, like on uh-huh. Apple and Spotify and all that. Do you already have your what I'm looking for tomorrow? Like, No. So what I do, what I mean, have? in the morning, I just uh, I, I check out MLB's page for the games and see which ones are on TV. And then I see what the starting pitcher is. And then I make that tweet. Um, so unfortunately you. I don't have that for you, but I mean, I can, I can take a look right now. Is there someone that you're, I, uh, let's see tomorrow. Um, you're going to see Jeffrey Springs against Taiwan Walker. So I'm curious with Springs, if he can take down lefties, I uh, had a really good start last time out, but he only faced one lefty batter and it was Sam Hilliard twice. And the second time he allowed a single, <laughs> <laughs> it was on a bad slider down the middle. I'm like, this is your problem. That's right there. Okay. Um, Clark Schmidt <laughs> is going tomorrow. I uh, I tried to re- I tried to reach out to him. I'll try again um, to see if it's real because he threw forty percent sliders in his last or sweepers in his last start. He had a lot of success with it. And I'm like, that's the Otani method. Ooh. And like, I want you to do that again. So I'm going to be really curious <laughs> to see that stick. Um, it's not on TV though, which is really stupid. But I think we're going to get Statcast data on that. So that's all good with me. Um, anyone else of interest? Not really. I mean, James Caprillion's going. He didn't walk anybody last time, finally, which is great. He's got a good slider and fastball. It's just about not walking, guys. So if he does that well, that's cool. Um, Eovaldi is going. Hopefully the velocity is still at 96. Tetmers is going on TV. Let's go. Hey. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Joe Ryan, if his sweeper is really good, that'd be fantastic because it's really hasn't shown much lately. Um but yeah, that's that's all I'm really seeing. I mean, Trevor Rogers is trying to recover from his disaster last weekend, and uh, he should be fine. This should be all right. <laughs> There's a sleep right. preview. What I love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> uh, with that being said, Nick, thank you for coming on again. It is awesome. You're our first returning guest on oh, man. the podcast. So I appreciate you coming back on and hanging out for a little bit. Oh, my absolute pleasure. My God, was that already 40 minutes? Jeez. I I, I did not, I did not feel too. like that in the slightest. Um, and by the way, if you made it this long, that means you actually care about the show, which is fantastic because you should. And the, what do people do when they care about the show? They go and rate and review on iTunes. So go ahead and do that. Baseball money is fake. Uh, I just it, it does not. It's very easy to do. It goes a long way for everybody here. So go go do that for these guys. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. And uh, you guys can go find Nick on Twitter at PitcherList. Aren't you on Twitch too? Don't you? Do, I am on Twitch every Twitch weekday morning stuff? at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday Eastern Time. So come hang out. I answer all fantasy questions I get. Absolutely. Yes, free. and you can find 
You can find me on Twitter at Balake, B-U-H-H-L-O-C-K-A-Y-E. And you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And we'll catch you guys next time.